It's a few more days until officially summer, but things are certainly heating up for Mississippi State around that NCAA portal door. Let's talk about it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Network. This is your host of the Doghouse, David Murray. And you know, if I had enough techno sense to pull it off, and okay, if that band weren't quite so tight about the use of their material, I'd be queuing up Pink Floyd's time to introduce today's show. It's not my absolute favorite Floyd cut. That would be Have a Cigar. I don't even think it's their best work because what David Gilmore does on his two guitar solos in Comfortably Numb is just epic. But I will state that time is ideal for, uh, let's say, uh, one in the morning on a clear interstate when the Mountain Dew finally kicks in and you're trying to beat the sun back to Startwell. Uh, trust me on that. Uh, it will get you a long way. And having made a lot of those type runs in following Mississippi State football, baseball, basketball, I know whereof I speak. Uh, trust also that in college baseball circles this month, it is indeed ticking away, time that is, and it ain't a dull day neither. Not between now and July 1 when the NCAA slams that transferred portal door shut. Things have definitely been undull for Chris Lamonis and his staff, which is intact for another season so far as we can happily report. Since the uh, 2022 season ended, and for that matter, really weeks before when the last pitch was thrown, the need to really revamp a roster became unavoidable. They've been working on this still new means of recruiting, working hard, working hot, and with successes. Now, I'm not going to steal any material here from what Steve and Robbie have been reporting these recent weeks of who Mississippi State has procured, who they expect to get, who they're working hard on here at crunch time, and so on and so forth. I do like the list I've seen, though, and it is far from finished. Um, you know, State worked it harder than they planned, you know that, and the results seem encouraging. Of course, the door opens in two directions, and by my last count, 11 Diamond Dogs had used their exit, which was second most in the SEC. I suspect that's because the NCAA's free transfer year is also closing soon. So if anyone hasn't used it by now, those Bulldogs are almost certainly coming back, and I say almost because there are a few hoping for a draft call. Yeah, we've talked here often about the infuriating conflict between the NCAA's own deadline, and to be fair, there's got to be one, but coming ahead of the major league selection days, July 17, 18, 19, well, the potential for problems is so obvious. So you know a couple of guys are headed out for the draft. You know that Landon Sims and Logan Tanner are gone, and they deserve it, and good luck to them. We're hoping they both pull off a first-round draft call and keep that string going for the Diamond Dog program. Other guys, they're sitting around fretting. Will they be in days two and three? Will they be drafted at all? And that's a bigger deal than usual because, as you may have learned by now, if you certainly followed the stories, and sometimes I have trouble keeping track of it myself, free agency is not the path for entry into professional baseball that it once was. So there are guys who are sitting waiting and watching, and if they don't hear their names called, I think it's a very good chance they will indeed be coming back for another season using the NCAA's extra year, which some of them still have. That, of course, makes it harder for Lamonis to rebuild the roster because he's got to wait to know what these guys are doing. And, and trust me, some of these guys would really love to be able to tell their coach, uh, A, I am coming back, or B, I'm not coming back, for sure, either way so that the coach can get busy about, all right, I need this position. I need to 
I can let this position go. What are my numbers going to be now? Some of the guys just can't do it because they don't know whether they're going to be drafted at all or if they're drafted high enough, will it be a position to go ahead and get gone? So that's the problem you have. July 1 portal closes. So you can't pick up anybody after that who can play in 2023. Yes, I expect State to go recruiting guys after July 1. Let's clear that up. But those players cannot play until 2024. That's due to the deadline. You know, I tried to keep track of the NCAA's debating last week about creating two transfer portal windows, tightening things up. And I get it philosophically, but you know darn well that was designed with football and basketball in mind. Of course, it hasn't passed yet anyway. They're not even worried about baseball, which is so complicated because it's the only sport that has a draft in the summertime so close to when school starts again now. Yeah, that, you know, as I understand it, the draft was moved until middle July to coincide with the All-Star game. That was in 2021. And again, it does this year because the Summer Classic is on July 19th, which happens to be day three of the draft, rounds 11 through 20. You know, Collegians were doing just fine being drafted in June for decades, and I do mean decades, since 1965. And not least because those not in tournament play could sign being drafted in early June as it was, uh, as either a draftee or free agent, and go get busy playing minor league baseball for up to half of a season. But that's not the factor it used to be for quite a few reasons. Well, for one, obviously now the draft is going to stay in mid-July. I just don't see it changing at this point. Uh, For one thing, a half-season's development isn't the big deal it used to be, not for the prime picks anyway. Plus, you only have 20 rounds, so you don't have as many guys try to slot in and start getting looks at down in uh, quadruple A-ball somewhere. And plus, and this is a worrying thing for the pros way more than me, um, minor league systems are shrinking for economic reasons, so there's just not as many means of getting a draftee's cleats wet early with real action. What does that mean? It means a better chance that more people keep coming back to college. So that's one unintended benefit to the college game by what the pros have done. This still does not defend having July 1 as a portal deadline for baseball. And and other sports, by the way, spring sports, all of them hew to that one, including softball. But what do you do with it? I can't see leaving it much later than the draft because... Well, school's only a few weeks from starting. At least it is here in southern baseball country. I'll never forget a road trip 20 years ago now to uh, Oregon for the football game. And said he was full. Fairish number of students there. And I asked somebody, said, you know, do, don't you have more students games? He said, oh, school doesn't start for another month here. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> They're not coming to class until October? But that's how it works in parts of the country. Here in the south, school starts earlier, especially in baseball country. So would you really want the portal to be open right up against the deadline for enrollment? That would be really tricky for coaches who could wait that very late date to find out if they have a full roster or unfillable gaps at that late point. Because, again, as noted, you can't fill with out of the portal. You can probably go out and find some guys who didn't sign in high school, but then you got to go through the enrollment process, da 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 all that kind of stuff, you know. This seems a good time to invoke what number one, his own self, Ronald G. Polk, often said that if football and baseball coaches had to live with the same sort of drafting schedule that baseball does, they'd go crazy. And you know what? They would. But then so much about college baseball is crazy. I mean, just explaining how draft eligibility works to a non-college baseball person 
gets those eyes glazing over in disbelief. And no, I quit trying to explain to civilians how baseball scholarships work years ago. (laughs) Now you start throwing in speculation of what name image likeness is going to do to both recruiting and retention. I reckon that would have Schrodinger's cat trying to break the flask himself. Am I showing off there with a little quantum physics reference? Sorry. Uh, You can have some fun looking it up. By the way, the fact that I'm recording this on a Saturday evening means two things. First, I got the yard work done today, so yay me. Hot? Yeah, a little, but for a Jones County farm boy, and maybe more so all those Novembers with football and Februarys and Marches with baseball, toting cameras around the sidelines, it reaffirmed what I learned young. I would always rather sweat than shiver. Your mileage may vary. Secondly, it means that I'm not at this moment watching the action from Omaha. Yes, I do keep up. I observe a few innings at a time, much the same way I do bowl games in December. Though in this sport, I'd sure as heck rather watch the College World Series than uh, the Gasparilla Bowl. Now, there's just nothing like the series. Nothing. There, there are things bigger. I totally admit that. And there may, may be some things as good, but there ain't nothing better and there ain't nothing like the College World Series. I want to say on record that watching Notre Dame co-opt bananas as their thing here in the postseason doesn't offend me. No, not really. If it reminds us of that glorious rally banana days of June 2018, well, more power to them. State got there first, and in fact, I'll be republishing my 2018 story from Omaha on that subject sometime Sunday. It's always good to recall the good times. Speaking of recalling the good times, I hope that those who had a chance to enjoyed Banner Year, which debuted this past week. If you happen to miss the one-hour documentary on Mississippi State's 2021 National Championship season, with most of the emphasis there on the uh, Super Regional in Omaha, well, don't worry. It's going to roll around in your summer screen often. (laughs) Hey, anything rather than showing the 25th replay of the Alabama Spring game. My own modest involvement there was giving the director and crew some tips on what to ask several subjects they were going to interview. I warned them about uh, Ron Polk. You can ask him any question you want, but he's going to answer the questions that he wanted you to ask. And, of course, I spent some time sitting on the wrong end of a camera myself. I just hope I did everyone fair and proud in what I said there. But back to the transfer portal. Yeah, uh, Mississippi State is just going a crash program here. And it's paying off with a lot of pitchers, some star starters, mid-relief, some uh, closers, and State absolutely needs a new closer this coming year. And there's the chance, certainly, that you get some pitchers back that you weren't counting on that are going to take advantage of that NCAA extra season. So the pitching staff will be restocked, and we'll find out starting in fall ball if it's been totally replenished, reloaded. But that's what Lamonis and crew are doing right now, and... Uh, Scott Foxhole made no bones about it. He's got to rebuild the pitching staff totally because for reasons various and forwith, some guys just didn't work out or they're a little behind schedule or whatever. That's baseball, also recalling on Ron Polk. And while it, it's, it's a hard way to do things because Mississippi State has always been pretty loyal to the players who st- come here and commit to it, the portal era... I'm not going to say it makes things unfair. I'm just going to say it puts all the more pressure on players to produce sooner, including those who bluntly weren't given chances in real games. Uh, you only saw them in bullpens in fall and spring. It's brutal. I, I freely admit it. 
It's tough, but that's the reality of the game, and Mississippi State is not a program to take lightly missing out on Omaha. As much fun as it is to watch those games, and I truly enjoy watching the stadium more than I do the games here on my television. <sighs> okay, if you had to miss a year, like I told Kathy, with the price of gasoline, the price of lodging, and the price of food, this was probably a good year, if there ever is such a thing, to not have to make that 900-mile trip up into the plains just for the pure expense of it. And last year was expensive enough as it was. Thank you, boss, for the bonus check, which helped pay for the hotel for all those 12 days. I miss it. But maybe also talking to a Mississippi State administrator or two, they were candid enough to say that maybe we needed a little bit of a break after going three of the last four years, and the one time you missed was because there was no series at all, and we were all trying to cope with a crazy world at that time. So... It feels like State's been there three straight times. Well, they're not going this year. But if this portal reload works and gets it done, and oh, speaking about uh, one advantage to a July draft, I, I've made it sound like there's nothing good about it. I am going to give you an advantage to it. It's more time for college coaches to get a better read on whether their guys will be drafted at all. And with a 20-round draft, it's, uh, it's a lot tighter than it used to be. And since there's such piddling money for free agents, really you just have to worry about the draft. And players can say what they want to, but if their name's called, in this day and age, you're probably well advised to go. So now Lamonis is getting a better read on that, so it gives him a better idea of what he should do at the risk of overloading the roster, which I always have to stress, must be 35 total, 27 can play. Like I said, it's a tough deal to work with, but uh, hey, imagine. I mentioned uh, crazy rules difference. Maybe football's about to face that because the NCAA is going to the two years, allow more than 25 to be signed in any one year, but you still have to stay at the 85 limit. Now that's going to hit hard on some players who are going to be, let's say, uh, politely excused from the program to make room for portal products. I think I saw a figure this past week that something like 20% fewer high school players were signed in the 2021-22 signing years than there were any other year. That's directly related to the portal. It's not junior college guys, it's portal guys. Because you're getting a, someone that you've actually got some college testing on. Maybe it was the FCS level. You know, Maybe it was at the Autonomy 5 level. Either way, you've got something to base it on and say, I'm not taking a gamble on a guy who all I've seen is him beating up on a bunch of 10th graders in high school. I've seen a guy who's come gone head-to-head with players older than him for a while. That is, if the other team will give me some tape. But that's where you better have some friends in the business who can help you because uh, you're going to hit those programs as a feeder. Mississippi State's already doing it, and yes, Mississippi State's going to get raided by other teams who will see State as a feeder for them. That's the vicious cycle of the portal. And we will be talking about that a lot this fall and in coming years. Also about football recruiting. Well, last weekend was top dog camp. This weekend was the seven-on-seven camp. And Steve Robertson and Paul Jones are doing the reporting on that, uh, talking to players. You know, the pirate flag has been flying a few times this past week as more commitments keep coming in or more guys get offered. Um, they certainly go to social media to celebrate it, and Mississippi State does everything they can to help them celebrate it with all the promotional stuff, which once upon a time was absolutely verboten, 
and now is totally encouraged to wear the uniform, pose in front of the big Adidas box, um, get all kind of uh, funny snaps, uh, just have some, just have a good time with it, and maybe it's a good enough time to make you stick with your commitment, or at least your leaning at this time. Yeah, early commitments, that's a topic worth discussing at some point, and let's delve into it a little bit now. You know, early commitments are more often what I would say we call making the semifinalist cut for kids. That's been a thing at Mississippi State for quite a while. And, hey, I'm not complaining. It's sure as heck good for our own business because y'all come on to Gene's page to look at what's going on with those guys. But, you know, how often has Mississippi State committed a kid and only to see him picked off later on? Or, conversely, and let's be totally fair about this, Increasingly often now, not often per se, but increasingly has state got a commitment and then pulled that offer later in the process. Again, like I say, the state didn't used to do that, and now they do because state has to. Is it rough? Is it cruel? Especially in a small state like Mississippi where everybody knows everybody and somebody will have a grudge and maybe his, uh, high, his high school coach or his um, a junior on the high school team will not give State the time of day because of it. Yeah, that's the risk you take. But Mississippi State is going to keep taking these early commitments, and it really accelerated under Dan Mullen. You know, I talked about it with Mike Leach two summers ago before he'd ever coached a game at State. And I, we were – it was – it's – I wish I had taped the entire thing because we spent about 90 minutes talking about almost anything but football or about Mississippi State in general before we, the actual interview started, which we ran back in, uh, I believe it was uh, June of 2020. Well, while during the course of it, we were talking about recruiting, um, and I mentioned that Mississippi State, and mostly referring to the recent years under Dan Mullen, when we committed a player early on, it only made him a target for a lot of our SEC peers who figured that, well, you know, if Mississippi State's done the hard scouting first and dug this guy up, let's go take a look at him and see if we want to offer him ourselves. Hey, all's fair in recruiting in that regard. And, well, now with NIL and whatever, what isn't fair in recruiting now? I'm not sure there is a list of rules you can break at this point. Well, getting back to Leach, he had a response for that. And he said that, hey, at Texas Tech and Washington State, he was used to the very same thing happening. So he is not surprised if some of these guys who are committing in May and June end up targeted by the peers. Um, Maybe that's also why more and more of the guys that are not quite committing but celebrating blessed to receive the offer are, are leaving it open. It would drive me crazy if I had to deal with this, but that's what the coaches get paid to do because, uh, you can coach the best you can, but if you don't have the talent out there, it don't matter. So he's working the portal hard as well, not for the 2022 season, obviously. That deadline has passed, but, you know, to get an idea of what to do. And like I said, when one-fifth fewer high school guys are signing, that tells you that the market is ever hotter for the college kids. And uh, to be blunt, that also includes – your own kids who you may say would probably be well advised to head to the portal. Yep, that's going to be a subject we debate early and often this year. I certainly expect it to come up among many subjects at SEC Media Days. Mississippi State's turn is, ironically enough, also on July 19th. So I will have to race home from Atlanta to watch any of the All-Star game. No, I probably won't do that because by the time I get out of there, having filed the stories and such, uh, you don't race out of Atlanta traffic. Not until at least you get past Six Flags. But um, 
we'll be talking to Leach about such things. Um, Leach has been talking to the public this past week. Road Dogs Tour was held. Only four days, no, three days and four stops as I counted. I would really love to know how the fans reacted to that. I, I, I have not seen a lot of, uh, shall we say, offended fans who are upset that the original scheme of a mid-May of four weeks, which Dan Mullen, after that first tour, and this is fact because I've had it affirmed by Bulldog Club officials, after he completed that first four-week tour back in the spring of 2009, he turned to him and said, next year, one week. That's all. And he's pretty much stuck to that for the rest of his career, so State kind of trimmed down to that as well. However, we do have the happy hour events coming up. I don't know much more about it than I did when it was announced a couple of weeks ago. I certainly don't even know the schedule, but I'm waiting for it because I want to make some of these stops myself and take the temperature of you, the fans, because I've, trust me, in four plus decades, I've heard everything a coach can say. All right, let me rephrase that. I've heard everything a coach other than Mike Leach could possibly say to a crowd. And that's one reason why I keep interested in this one. But it's always a great way to take the temperature of you fans when you respond to the administrators, the coaches, and what we say before the mics are turned on, more often before the mic, after the mics are turned off, and maybe some of the libations start taking effect, and really get a truer idea of how you feel about the state of the program. Well, we'll wait for the happy hour schedule to be uh, announced and follow up on that, and I'll be letting you know which stops I certainly intend to try to make. Uh, that's assuming the Bulldog Club and the Alumni Association and others sit there and say, uh, no, we don't want a media member attending because it's closed. I will pull every string possible because, hey, I'm a Bulldog Club member myself. What can I say? I'm an alumnus. And don't I check both those boxes? Okay. Uh, one way we can all show our support is tickets. We had our piece with Mike Ritchie a couple of weeks ago on that, and it's still a ways until the deadline is finished for full season tickets if they ever even put a deadline on that because believe me if you show up after a couple of games a season and say i want to buy a ticket for the rest of the games they will sell you a season ticket at the reduced price but uh, single game tickets will be coming available first to um, donors and then to the general public we publish that schedule as well and that will be a great way of taking the temperature too and uh, and I, I mentioned this before, but I'm going to remind it again because people I've talked to in the administration and the media relations office, they really want this stressed. Mississippi State worked hard, hard to get an evening opener for this season. Well, they got it. And this was not any kind of late charge to do it. They, they have been priming that pump for months to get this done, and now they've been rewarded with it with the evening opener against Memphis. So it's up to everyone to back up their efforts by buying the tickets and then showing up to the games. And that is my lecture for the evening as far as that goes. Any other football news? Not a whole lot going on, obviously, but uh, we hope to have a practice schedule soon. The roster is pretty much finalized. Um, There doesn't seem to be any eligibility problems looming as best we know. So kind of quiet on that front. A little too quiet, as the old Western line would say. But, uh, again, maybe we don't mind a little bit of quiet this year because we've certainly had enough noise made in recent years by the Diamond Dogs, enough noise building up to the first two seasons of Mike Leach, and now it's time to settle into a little more routine and take our breath, get ready, because Media Days is not all that far away, just a month from tomorrow. Gosh, I hate going to Atlanta. 
But uh, that'll be coming up, and not long after the first practices will take, we'll certainly update you on what practices are available for public viewing. Oh, related to that, there's been a little misunderstanding out there about uh, Mississippi State's policies on open and closed practice. You know what? If it was left up to Leach, he wouldn't care if media were there at every practice. He has said that. The simple fact is that space doesn't really permit that. It's not that he, he's worried about people seeing something that they shouldn't see, although we're very much encouraged, don't talk about injuries. That's just basic. If you want to get this thing closed down fast, talk about injuries, talk about fights, all the fun stuff that uh, we'd like to report on, but if you have any sense at all, you know why it can't be done. But he believes in access and letting people see the program, seeing what's going on. And that's certainly a change of pace there. And maybe now that we're two years out of COVID, that the state of Mississippi has loosened up just about all restrictions possible, we're looking forward to giving a fuller, and I mean fuller, reporting on preseason camp for the Bulldogs this year. It ain't that far away, and Robbie Falk is doing his countdown pretty regularly there, coming up with a new Bulldog team, player, season to uh, tie to the countdown. Something worth checking out there. As for ourselves, we're going to start a new series this coming week called What If? Yeah, we did this a few years back. We picked out four specific events to address in full and a bunch of others that we briefly touched on. Well, we're restarting it this time and expanding it beyond football to other sports. In fact, our first what-if, which I think I've got scheduled for Monday, will be what if Javant Gordon's last-second heave against Memphis had gone down good in the 2008 NCAA second round? What would have been the impact on State? What would have been the impact on Rick Stansberry's tenure? Hey, what would have been the impact on Memphis and Kentucky? Would John Calipari have gotten the Kentucky job had that shot made good? Things we enjoy discussing. And we'll pull out some more. And uh, your suggestions are always welcome. You can go on the message boards and uh, make your own nominations. And, and by the way, keep them realistic. We're not going to go into the realm of the absurd, which was never going to happen. Jimbo Fisher was never going to be the head coach at Mississippi State. He was using it for a salary play, which is, hey, that's what he's supposed to do. Monte Ellis was not coming to college. So let's stick to realistic ones. You know, does this guy avoid an injury? What does it happen? Oh, by the way, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head the four I addressed. I still consider maybe arguably the most important what if was, no, it wasn't Gene Morgan and the foul ball. That was up there until this past year. Now that we've got that trophy in Mississippi State, it's kind of taken a little bit of a step back. No, mine was... What if Bobby Collins had been hired instead of Embry Ballard in 1979? How would Mississippi State football have developed from there, especially in the uh, atmosphere of the day? Uh, also, we addressed uh, things like, what if Kiefer McGee doesn't drown ahead of the t- 1997 season? And you get the idea of what we're looking at. It's called Counterfactual History. We'll have a lot of fun with it, and I hope you enjoy reading it because I'm actually having sometimes fun, but more often just going, oh, why? What if? Because that's what we do as Bulldog fans. And as Bulldog fans, we like to talk to you here in the doghouse on the Believe Network. This is your host, David Murray, signing off for this weekend. Uh, we hope to get back on a more frequent schedule once we have more things to talk about. For now, let's enjoy a slow summer. So, this is your host. Good to talk to you and hope to be back with you soon here in the doghouse. <laughs>